Good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Kreisel, and Diane Duvernay, your hosts, every week right here on AM twelve ninety FM ninety six point nine, and streaming at AM twelve ninety KZSB. We're repeated at eleven and on Saturdays at six. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates and a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara, at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets, at Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Hi, Neil. Happy Monday to you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm back from New York. So uh, I spent uh, last week there and I hope I didn't get my accent back. As if you ever lost it. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of New Yorkers, I wonder if our guest is from New York also. Wow. Uh, well, let's introduce him and find out. So we have with <laughs> us today Dr. Ray Bowman from the Environmental Defense Center in Santa Barbara. Thanks so much for being here with us, Dr. Bowman. Oh. Thank you. And one, one short correction, it is the Economic Development Collaborative of Ventura oh. County. <laughs> I'm losing my mind over here. I don't know who, what I'm what I'm reading. I am sorry. So we got that wrong. Well, I, I, are we live or should we do it again? <laughs> yeah. So uh, the first article today is entitled Risky ETFs See Demand Jump. And Diane, you'll appreciate this. Uh, nearly $25 billion, billion has flowed into leverage and inverse exchange traded funds this year. Uh, what these are, these are funds that are highly leveraged. That is for every dollar you put in, there could be two or $3 of borrowed money. And they're bets either for or against the stock market. And they become very popular among people trying to find a way of getting a high return in this difficult marketplace. And here's the results. The result is that of the 10 most uh, popular funds, five of them, five of the 10 most popular funds are down 75% this year versus a loss of 31% for the index. So what we have here is... Uh, a situation in which people are basically buying gambling uh, vehicles and the results have been abominable. So it just goes to show you when uh, yields are, sh are low and uh, market returns are not easy, borrowing money to goose those returns up is not always very intelligent. No, and oftentimes when, when you mm. do use leverage, you end up mm. losing more than you already would have, especially in volatile mm. markets like we're experiencing right now. Uh, the next article is about uh, why uh, your money market funds are not increasing uh, in yield as fast as interest rates are going up. And it's a very simple reason. And that is that for the period between 2008 and recently, uh, interest rates were so low that the money market fund management companies had to cut their fees in order to make sure that the funds remained at the dollar, which is the par value of these money market funds. Because if they were to break a dollar, uh, which happened once during the 2008 fiasco, uh, people would feel that this is not 
an alternative to cash. And so they reduced their fees dramatically. In fact, at the end of 2021, the average U.S. money market fee was 0.18%. Now that interest rates are going up, what's happening is the fund managers are trying to catch up and they're raising their uh, management fees. And nine months later, it went from 0.18 to 0.50. And so what's happening is the interest rate that the funds are earning is going up, but so is their management fee. So part of the reason why you're not seeing the same increase in your return is because the management companies are catching up. And, you know, it's true. Even that 0.01% that they were paying for the last, uh, seems like forever, um, that was costing them money. And so many funds are catching up now, but the good news is for the average person, your interest-bearing checking accounts are actually interest-bearing now. So you're starting to see some some liftoff from the Fed's aggressive short-term rate raises. Yeah. In fact, if you can handle being locked in for six months or a year, the CDs are significantly higher rates now than than money market funds. Uh, The next article is another uh, Elon Musk story, which is sort of... um, uh, not surprising. We are seeing him in the news every day. And what this has to do with is the banks that committed to lend Musk $13 billion to buy uh, the, uh, the, well, to lend him basically $13 billion in his takeover bid of Twitter um, because the stock is selling at half of what, almost half of what uh, Musk is paying. The bonds really are not saleable. And these banks had anticipated uh, issuing this debt and then securitizing them or or at least splitting them up and selling them out. They can't sell them out, they don't believe, without taking, they believe, at least a half a billion dollar loss. So they're keeping it out on portfolio. And um, what this is is, 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 is something that has implications not just for the banks, that is, they're going to keep uh, these bonds uh, from being uh, marked to market, they think. I don't know how they're going to be able to do that. But um, the the irony of it is, is that the article concludes is that it's going to cause a uh, a shortage of available funds to other uh, private equity leverage buyouts because they have so much money now tied up in the must deal that they can't sell. And apparently this is going to be the largest uh, private uh, debt deal um, that uh, is basically been there that is unable to be sold. And it's called, believe it or not, a hung buyout deal, H-U-N-G. So this is the largest hung deal apparently ever. Wow. My question is, is I wonder if it's actually going to go through. Well, we'll know Thursday. Uh, apparently that's the deadline for okay. something to happen. Well, is it the deadline for him to come up with the cash? Uh, no, it's the deadline for him to go back to court. And I guess, I don't know what it is. The, the deadlines keep getting pushed. But the judge in the case said he has until uh, Thursday. So I would imagine Thursday he's got to go into court and say, I have all the money lined up. And then whether it closes or not is probably irrelevant, whether he says it's going to basically definitely close. I, I agree with you. I, I I'm questioning whether he'll be able to go through with it. Um, you know, that could be why Tesla's stock dropped, you know, 5% earlier today. Yeah. 
Uh, the next article, just a, just a point, uh, it's been in all the newspapers this weekend, and that the IRS has raised the 401k contribution limit. And we've talked about this before, that this is one of the the um, the best things you can do as an employee if your company has a 401k plan. And so uh, if you can contribute, it's really, uh, and you can speak to this as, as a financial planner, I guess this is probably something you should absolutely do as much as you can. Absolutely. And the fact that they're raising it is is great for the average employee because it's the easiest way to save. It never hits your checking account. You never have to think, oh, do I want those shoes or should I put this you know, into savings? It goes automatically into an account. And you know, it's the best way, the, or I should say the easiest, most painful way uh, to save. Uh, and this next article comes from Barron's, and it's interesting. It's it's very short, but it says when you look at what's going on with the employee-employer market, what you're seeing now is a cooling in the employee market, but it's cooling without too many too many Americans losing their job, which is, in Barron's view, the sweet spot where you can cool the economy, cool interest rate increases without going into a recession. So- in their view, this is one sign that we may be able to get away with a soft landing. Well, and Barron's recently came out with a study that 98% of corporate CEOs believe that we're headed into a recession next year. Mm. Consequently, they started taking um, precautions today. And so basically what that means is that many of these companies are just Mm. not filling vacant roles, or if they Mm. had a job wreck out there, um, they they, pulled it off indeed or wherever they were advertising it mm. now that said you know with unemployment as low as it is or i should say full employment you know we're basically at 3.7% unemployment that is incredibly low and that you know is why this market is so unique you know like uh you have for every job seeker two job vacancies available it's hard to go into a traditional recession like we're used to seeing where so many people are losing their jobs. So hopefully, given that our economy is so consumer driven, if people can continue to be employed, continue to get their paychecks, this won't be a recession you know, that any of us have, have lived through in the past. Uh, well said. Uh, and uh, do you think that the fact that I'm getting over a cold and my voice is very deep makes me even better for the radio? I think you're fabulous, Neil. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, you're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite 
invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. If you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of having Dr. Ray Bowman from the Economic Development Collaborative out of Ventura. He is the director of small business, the Small Business Development Center there. So Dr. Bowman, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here. So let's start off with what exactly does the Economic Development Collaborative do? Um, well, the Economic Development Collaborative, uh, we've been around 35 plus years. And what we do is we, uh, we started out helping to coordinate and facilitate uh, business retention and attraction throughout the cities of Ventura County. Um, so that was kind of the, how, how it was founded. Mm -hmm. um, under the EDC, there's a number of different programs. So we're the uh, Ventura County Film Board. Uh, we, we have uh, uh, employer training panel funds. We help in, incumbent workers get training. Uh, we're part of a digital upskilling project, a broadband project. And then uh, we, we're also a lender. We're a community lender. We're a California CDFI lender. Uh, and then the program that I direct is the Small Business Development Center, which is um, a program by the Small Business U.S. Small Business Administration to give technical assistance to medium and small sized businesses. And under this program, I cover both Ventura and Santa Barbara County. And then the EDC has really expanded over the years and is collaborating with a lot of um, different economic development entities through Santa Barbara County. Our loan program has extended into Santa Barbara County. And then we have a number of activities extended LA County and then up and down the state as well. So um, so all things uh, economic development, 
centered around business attraction, retention, and and uh, supporting the employees that work for those businesses. So now with the small business development um, center that you head up being, are you primarily getting your funds from the U.S. Small Business um, Administration? Is that where most of your loans are coming from? Um, well, um, our services- I say the money are, for the loans. Yeah. Um, our loan uh, program is separate. So that's a separate entity under the EDC. The program that I'm director of, we just provide technical assistance to businesses. Mm -hmm. And so I've got, uh, so our core funding comes from uh, the Small Business Administration. But since then, since the 12 years uh, since I started this particular program in the two counties, um, we actually get equal or greater funding from both the state as well as the county. Uh, we get private sector funds. Mm -hmm. So we get a variety of different fundings that um, contribute to our program. Uh, all in all, we have over 60 business specialists. They're all independent entrepreneurs uh, that we contract to provide technical assistance to about 2,000 plus businesses a year. Wow. And so as, as a small business that's wanting to um, get those skills from you, how would they go about um, reaching out to say, you know, we would really love or our business would really benefit from your advice and technological skills? Yeah, the easiest way to get a hold of us is our, our website is edcollaborative.com. And uh, there's a link there. We have, we actually run two hotlines for businesses. We have a bilingual hotline. So, uh, so whether it's English or Spanish, uh, those entrepreneurs can connect with us. Uh, what will happen is they'll get a hold of um, one of the people, one of our business specialists. And then what they'll do is they'll intake you into our program. And then from there, help you schedule a meeting with one of our business advisors. And, and, and again, uh, our advice spans the map of, of advice. We, we have uh, finance specialists, loan packaging specialists, marketing, social media, mm -hmm. e-commerce, international business, manufacturing, uh, process improvement, pricing, uh, HR, legal issues. So uh, we have a huge pool of expertise that uh, we can dip into to help that talent support our entrepreneurial talent in both our counties. And so from your unique position of overseeing this, are you seeing any um, trend lines in what technological skills people are needing? I've got to imagine that it, it's pretty niche, you know, depending upon, you know, if they want import export or or what exactly it is. But are you seeing that there's a gap that maybe education could fill or or, or is it really just random as as to what each individual business needs? And, you know, one of the biggest all around gaps we're seeing, and, and we really saw this during the pandemic. So as you can imagine, the requests for our services spiked incredibly during the last couple of years. And, and we did a lot of support for the various uh, loan and small business grant programs out there. And one of the things that really became evident to us is the need for digital skills um, uh, just across the board, whether it's an entrepreneur understanding, you know, how to use Excel or how to use social media or, or, uh, or, or, or manufacturer understanding how to use different enterprise tools. You know, it, it, it literally spans from, from,
from using basic programs all the way up to uh, understanding social media and e-commerce. Um, but we found a huge gap there, um, both in, in the entrepreneurs that we dealt with and the employees that they were looking for. Um, in fact, as a result, uh, at the uh, EDC for uh, Santa Barbara County, we have a digital skills initiative where we're looking to train um, over 400 people in digital skills. Um, so, so that's one that jumps out right away. What, what is the, can you, how do you define digital skills? Oh, boy, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a wide area to define. It, it's as much as, you know, some basic computer skills, you know, understanding how to use, uh, you know, different online, uh, suites, you know, to help enhance and run your business all the way up to understanding the different uh, enterprise software required to, you know, uh, get into, uh, you know, digital markets, get into uh, e-commerce, selling on omni-channel platforms. So it, it, it really spans a, a broad area between, you know, basic digital literacy, you know, going all the way up to using the right enterprise programs. And, and of course, uh, um, cybersecurity as well. Oh, yeah, that's a big one right now yeah. for sure. So now during the intake process, is is that where it's determined? Mm. I've got to imagine that there's some sort of fee that the company pays to not only to the um, Economic Development Collaborative, where they're getting these resources, but also to the individual um, you know, specialists that are doing that hands-on training. How is how is that broken down? And and if if I were a small business reaching out to acquire your services, what does that look like for me? Well, the great news I, I hate to hate to use the word free because we're heavily funded by tax dollars, right, through SBA and through others. But there's no fee for our services. So any business uh, that's small and medium sized that wants our assistance can call us, and uh, we. We pay uh, those business advisors to work with them, but it's at no cost to the small business. Oh, wow. That is a huge um, benefit. Now, do you find, however, you know, my mom always used to say you get what you pay for. Do you find that people take it less seriously, given that they do not have that same amount or monetary skin in the game? Um, that can happen. You know, sometimes we get businesses call and, and, Sort of their expectation is we'll do the work for them, but we're really there to coach those businesses. Um, you know, our our services may be free, but in order to change and scale uh, a business, that's not free. That takes a lot of time and effort, and and, and so really, it's uh, what I like to think it's 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 a collaboration between us and that small business with the objective of growing, and that growth helps the economy. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 and FM 96.9, and we'll be right back. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank. Based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta, our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. 
The Alzheimer's Association recommends 10 things you can do to maintain a healthy brain. Here's Janelle Bush. One, break a sweat. Exercise, be active. Two, continue formal education. Three, quit smoking. Four, prioritize your heart health. If you're taking care of your heart, that's also helping your brain. Five is avoiding brain injury. Six is fueling upright, so maintaining a healthy, balanced diet. One of the diets that our association recommends is the Mediterranean diet. Seven, getting adequate sleep. Eight is taking care of your mental health, so managing stress, seeking medical treatment for depression or anxiety. Nine is staying socially engaged. And 10 is challenging and activating your mind, finding fun things to do for your brain to stay active. These are all 10 ways to love your brain. To learn more about the Alzheimer's Association, go to alz.org or call 800-272-3900. Be a leader. Be your own hero. Could you be at risk of a wildfire? Did you know that wildfires burn all types of fuel, not just forest vegetation? A wildfire occurring is not a question of if, but when. Take action today to become fire adapted. Prepare your family, your property, and your community through easy advanced planning. Your actions can make things safer for everyone. Be a leader, be your own hero. For more information and resources, contact your local fire department and visit ifc.org FAC. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And if you have a question that you'd like to ask us or our guest, Dr. Bowman, um, please feel free to give us a call at 805-564-1290. And so, Neil, you had a question that you were asking at the break that you'd like to share with us. Um, well, I was. I have another question because we he already answered that one. So if anyone really wants to know that question, they have to call me. Uh, so you know, you mentioned in the beginning that you service um, uh, Ventura County. What if you're multi-county or you're in Santa Barbara? Um, well, we we do service Santa Barbara County. So as a small business development center, my core region is uh, Ventura and Santa Barbara counties. Now, having said that, I wear a couple different roles. So I'm part of what's called the Los Angeles Network of SBDCs. So there's there's 49 SBDCs covering the state of California. So I, I have three other roles. I also uh, do international trade technical assistance for the entire LA, Santa Barbara, and Ventura County region. Um, I also cover those three regions for technology. Um, so we have a technology program uh, that's incorporated with our SBDC. And then uh, the other role that I have is I do data analysis for the entire state of SBDC. So I actually have a data analysis team and on a weekly basis, we collect statistics and, and uh, information from all 49 SBDCs and create data visualizations that help the, uh, the five um, regions manage themselves better. Yeah, and that actually was the question that uh, uh, we were talking about uh, off the air, and that is, unlike other programs, you're really looking at economic development and looking at statistics to show, to prove that what you do actually helps uh, the economy of these communities. Oh, ab absolutely. Uh, as an SBDC, our entire focus is on economic development. 
So the idea is, is that we engage a business, we try to identify a challenge that that business is facing, and then, and then put attention to that challenge for the purposes of seeing some economic impact. So that could be, you know, a job or helping a business start up or retaining, creating jobs, access to capital. So these are all things that I'm gold on. And, uh, and it's the focus of our program. So our program is less focused on how many people we see or, or, or how many programs we do or activities. It's really focused on our ability to uh, create economic impacts. And I, averages don't really say anything, but could you uh, describe the typical uh, client? Is it you know two, two employees or 200 employees? You know, what is the size of, of the typical company? I, I would say on a typical year, if we see close to 2,000 clients, uh, typically the majority of those are less than five employees. Um, so very small businesses. Uh, that's probably the majority of who we see. Having said that, uh, this last year we saw, in terms of technology manufacturing businesses, we saw close to 600 that we provided services to. Um, so, so it really ranges a whole gambit from uh, defense contractors, high tech companies, all the way down to home based childcare. So, um, you know, the, 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 the impacts and the types of clients really range. And, and that's part of the fun of my job. Oh, I can only imagine you get to see a little, a little microcosm of each of the different industries. Now, when you have your independent contractors who are going out and actually giving that hands-on assistance to these businesses, how do you find those people and, and how do you vet them? Well, that's, that's a great question because, well, in fact, I was just looking at this. Uh, well over 90% of our clients are from some referral. So we get referred from chambers of commerce, we get referred from banks, from SBA, uh, from our partner programs, from SCORE, Women's Economic Venture, um, you know, uh, word of mouth from other clients that we've serviced. Um, and, and that word of mouth is important because, you know, I, I, I wish we only had the funds to talk to every single business in both counties, right? That we don't have that kind of bandwidth. So it's really important for us to engage those businesses, regardless of size, who are coachable, who want to engage with us and, and put the work together um, to help that, that uh, business sustain and grow. So, you know, I, I think about us more of, of coaches, and I think my role is really matching talent with talent matching talented business advisors with talented entrepreneurs for the purposes of seeing that economic development. So, so uh, as much as you can find us on the internet, you can, we have a hotline. Uh, the vast majority of, of uh, businesses find us through that word of mouth, through that community engagement. And the advisors are unpaid? No, they're paid. Uh, although I call them paid volunteers. <laughs> and the reason I do that is, Obviously, we're a nonprofit. We, we don't pay a lot per hour. None of our advisors get rich off of us. Most of our advisors make, uh, in order of magnitude, probably six to 10 times uh, more in the private sector than they make for us. So I call them paid volunteers. Anyone who advises for us is, is giving back to the community. Um, 
you know, to my mind, I'm paying them to do reports and be available, but um, I, I can't afford the type of talent we need for a program like this. Absolutely. So let's take a let's transition for a minute and take a step back into your expertise. You're an expert in international trade and logistics. So can you tell us a little bit about the supply chain problems that we've all been experiencing in our personal in our personal and professional <laughs> lives? You know, I'm trying to order like new pads for the office and they're like, oh yeah, the, the paper's out. You know, yeah. what is actually going on and, and is there a light at the end of this tunnel? Are we ever going to see things back to pre-pandemic levels? Well, it's kind of interesting. I, I started in supply chain logistics. That's where I started my career. I spent 28 years in working in freight companies and import and export and ocean and air freight. <clears throat> then I transitioned from there to doing um, international banking, consulting. Um, I'm still active, uh, heavily international business from both education as well as, you know, working with uh, uh, various ports in, in advisory role. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what's so complicated? I'm often asked, well, what's going on? Is it that one thing that's going on? And to my mind, it's really 10 things that are going on, right? So one of the things that's going on is the shortage of containers, right? So, so if you look at the manufacturing of containers that all of our goods go on, there's, you see them on the road, the 40-foot, the 20-foot boxes. There's literally a shortage of that equipment. Um, but so then, then... Can I stop? How come then they're making houses and swimming pools and all this random, all these random things out of those containers? Well, I, I think part of that is, though, is the whole demand thing, right? Because during the pandemic, there was such a swell of consumer demand, right? All of a sudden, you have this, this imbalance of supply. But then you also have to look at port productivity. So if you look at how many containers can be processed, let's say, in a Chinese port, on average, they're twice as productive as we are here, right? So if you can imagine all the stuff coming in is coming in at a faster rate than what's being processed here, right? That then again, you have congestion. The other thing that we experienced during the, the pandemic was these extended dwell times, right? So all this demand, productivity problems, now you have ships waiting, anchored in the water to get in. So the times that it, it was taking for uh, a, a ship to dwell. In other words, by the time it gets here, anchors finally gets in and, and is offloaded, is taking longer, right? And and that costs money. There's opportunity costs with that. And then you have a truck appointment. Um, to this day, in, in some ports, 30% or better appointments aren't being kept because it takes so long to get into the ports. And 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 the delays in, in having, if you can imagine if you're a trucker and it's taking, you have to reserve a truck two weeks ahead of time only for that truck to wait hours and hours in line, right, to get to those ports. Um, then the port hours, you know, those were recently extended, but those hours weren't accommodating uh, what was going on. And then on top of that, you have this thing called the box rule where every container had to go on a set of wheels. And you had to match that set of wheels with the container, regardless of whether you were there on time or not. So if you can imagine truckers looking for the right set of 
chassis wheels to put to the container that was that that complicated things even more so there was long story short there were probably about 10 different things going on at the same time and then when you have this unprecedented spike in demand it took problems that were there all along and made them 10 times worse it was sort of a tipping point you're you're listening to money talk on am 1290 and fm 96.9 and we'll be right back Music is a bridge between the material and the spiritual. My name is Harvey Lauer, and I'm 82. As a blind person, you have to be aware that nobody can tell you what you can or can't do. You really have to try things. My folks got me a little radio in 1940, and that was the best Christmas present I ever got. When I was 11 years old is when I started to... uh, play music, play the piano, and then the accordion, and then the cello. My wife, who was also blind, was a good cook. When she died, that's when I started Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. The American Cancer Society has a special event coming up Friday, November 4th. It's their Riviera Luncheon to be held at the Hilton Santa Barbara Beachfront Resort. Here's Denise Sanford. It's going to be in the Reagan Room at the Santa Barbara Hilton. We will have a silent auction. We have three amazing live auctions. One is a trolley ride for the Christmas lights with hors d'oeuvres ahead of time. One is a plane ride and one is a wine tasting for 12 in your own home. As you know, cancer, it's not discriminatory. It hits everybody. There's so many different types. So to really raise funds for research is so dramatically important. And I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of the community out at this luncheon and meeting all of you. To get your tickets and to learn more about the American Cancer Society's Riviera Luncheon, go to rivieraluncheon.com. That's rivieraluncheon.com. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks could only dream about. So, Ray, before the break, we were talking about the ports and how um, in a, or the inefficiencies that you know COVID really exposed at the ports. I'm sure they were people were aware before. However, it was just exasperated during the. Um, the COVID-19 um, issues. Do you think that these, that the COVID-19 experience will make better management of the ports possible? Yeah, I, I think there there is a lot of things being done. A lot of it, you know, before we sort of took the supply chain for granted, right? Or our, our, our went to the store, our stuff was there, and we just didn't feel it. And then now that we've all kind of felt you know, the problems that can happen. There's been a lot of initiatives to try to remedy some of those things that I mentioned. You know, there's there's uh, active movements to get more truckers on the road, to re-examine um, how, we, how we communicate between the supply chain. Uh, I think some challenges that we still have to recognize is 
part of that influx of business that came into the supply chain was a result of e-commerce. And, and e-commerce is really kind of a different paradigm, right? It's, it's, you're ordering things online and they're coming from all over the world and, and, uh, um, and how we look at digital commerce internationally is, um, is really going to change the way international trade looks. So, so I think we're looking at a future where uh, international trade is going to be more digitized than ever. But I think you'll also see, uh, and you're seeing it now, a lot of changes in where we're getting our supplies. You're seeing a lot more reshoring. Uh, there's been a, a huge increase in, in uh, reshoring. Um, Does that mean bringing factories to the U.S., back to the U.S.? Yes, I think it is. I, I, I think you've seen there's been an uptick in that kind of activity. Um, suppliers aren't, aren't putting, you know, uh, it used to be a lot of suppliers would just put everything sort of in that China basket to, to look for their goods. Now they're, they're developing all kinds of other contingency plans, looking at other markets. Um, uh, I, I think also efficiencies in manufacturing have, have uh, helped spur on a lot of, lot of reshoring activity. Um, so I think those things are, are I, I see as permanent changes. Um, you know, between the, the tariffs that we were going through, the increased tariffs with China, and then seeing the Chinese um, um, strategy towards the pandemic, you know, this sort of zero COVID policy um, has made the supply chain really unpredictable. Um, at the same time, things will get better in the fact that some of that demand switched, right? So, so you're seeing a lot less demand for goods than there were during the peak of the pandemic, right? People are spending their money on travel and vacations and, and other things, whereas uh, there was so much pressure put on, um, on buying goods, um, you know, especially through e-commerce. You know, to the extent that this logjam has been a major factor in our economic troubles, uh, the good news is, unlike oil, uh, where you can't manufacture oil, you can manufacture a container ship. You can manufacture containers. You you can change systems. So if you're an investor looking out, you can make a case that however long it takes, this is going to get solved. And it won't be maybe a lifetime to get it solved because now that we know what the problem is, um, there's a lot of steel around, a lot of aluminum around, and you can start building this stuff. Isn't, isn't that true? Well, yeah, and 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 also too, a lot of those solutions that are out there are really information solutions, process solutions. You know, the way changing the ways in which we do business, uh, looking at smarter ways to manage uh, the supply chain. So you're seeing a lot more uh, companies, technology companies, getting into supply chain logistics and coming up with different solutions. Um, you know, what I thought was interesting. One of one of the things I do. Um, in addition to being a director at the SBDC, is I, I do a lot of entrepreneurial research. And we did a huge research project during the pandemic. We, we surveyed 21,000 small businesses up and down the state of California. And we found one of the main survival skills was innovation. And the rate of innovation was much higher than ever recorded traditionally, you know, through our, through our census entrepreneurial studies. So you know, we found a lot of companies were, were changing their processes, were changing the ways that they connected with customers. So I think that's one of the things that you're going to see um, as a result of this pandemic is, is a continuation of that just 
innovative entrepreneurship. You're you're a, a professor at several schools. Um, do you see uh, more interest in supply chain studies? Uh, when I when I was going to business school, that was not at the top of most people's list of things they wanted <laughs> to do. Uh, do you see any? Uh, uh, change where people are saying, hey, this is going to be an, this is an interesting opportunity? Yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, if, if you look at logistics careers in general, um, those have increased. I think the projection is something like a 28% increase in the next five years or so, and just demand in supply chain logistics. Um, I teach at, uh, I'm a professor at Cal State Channel Islands, and I teach operations management. And I have a lot of students who are really, really interested in learning more about the supply chain and inventories and scheduling. And, and I've always thought that's something we, we need to teach more in the schools and expose students to operations management, you know, much earlier in their careers, as well as global trade. And so, so with the supply chain, do you see, you know, you, you think that many efficiencies will come or better uh, working things will be going on from, from our experience through COVID. But, you know, if we're still experiencing the supply chain disruption, how long or how long is this going to last? And why are chip prices falling and container shipping rates falling? It doesn't seem to add up or make sense. Well, I, I, I think part of those rates falling was one, they were hyperinflated. <laughs> At, at the peak, right? So as much as they've come down, they haven't come down to pre-pandemic levels. So I think we're looking at kind of a, a new normal in pricing. Um, but having said that, demand has come down quite a bit. You know, uh, you know, companies are looking at, you know, trying to clear inventory. And, 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 and so, you know, Yo. you, you've seen sort of this demand readjust from the pandemic for sure. Yeah, that that is true because you know now you can go to a brick and mortar store. Maybe not in Santa Barbara because we don't have very many of those anymore. But <laughs> but the rest the rest of the country can. But you know what's interesting about this whole uh, conversation is that I, I don't think the stock market is is discounting uh, how far we've come in terms of dealing with these problems. You know, if you ask a typical pundit, they'll they'll kind of you know list things like the supply chain problem and, you know, high rates. And, uh, but I think that things are being done to solve these problems and, you know, looking forward, uh, I think you could look forward to, you know, a, a better, about a better balance in, in, in the mechanisms that make trade work. But don't you think part of the problem started with the tariff war between China and the U S that kind of had us basically on our back foot to begin with? when the pandemic started? Well, well, I think definitely it caused a lot of disruption. And, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, I, I think what the average person doesn't see is if you have a tariff, right, if you increase tariffs on a country, you can't just move your sourcing overnight, right? It, it takes months or years to move your source, right? So uh, mm -hmm. during, during the peak of those tariffs, I had a lot of importers that said, hey, I'll be more than happy to switch my supplies, but I've already obligated a certain product to this retailer or, or this contract, and I can't switch overnight, you know, or in some cases, 
the alternatives just weren't there. Or even if they wanted to reshore to a supplier, the, the market demand wasn't there to, to, to align that supplier with the pricing they needed. So those, those things take a really long time to do. So, um, but I think you are seeing uh, a, a lot of activity in that direction, but it, it, it takes a long time once you've, you know, set agreements together with factories that you're working with to then switch those sources out. Uh, you're listening to right back with our final segment. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. When a bank is owned by the community and invests in the community, it answers to a different call. It's personal. It's driven by your needs, not ours. Welcome to American Riviera Bank, based right here in Santa Barbara with branches in Montecito and Goleta. Our customers know us for personal service every day, every way. You can bank on us. Bank on us. Bank on us! American Riviera Bank. Bank on better. This is the place that talks about Santa Barbara. Mike in the morning. Community Matters. Radio Real Estate. The Sports Lounge with Big Lou. Money Talk. The Andy Caldwell Show. Teen Sports Radio. Community Alert. Mortgage Matters. Welcome to the Voices. 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 Voices of Santa Barbara. The CEO Report. When CSUCI presents About Education. The Farm to Table Hour. Around the World. The Jeremiah Show. The Art and Antiques Radio Show. Garden Gossip. Cork and Fork Radio Show. Tell me your story. It's Radio with TV's Tim Stack. KZSB. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. Dr. Bowman, can you share with us um, what the Fathom Works program is and how um, how you're anticipating you and the collaborative it, uh, increasing productivity in Ventura County? Yes, uh, the Fathom Works program, it's exciting program. It's a fairly new program to us. It's a collaboration between Naval Surface Warfare, the Port of Wainimi, and the EDC, and, and a number of other stakeholders. But what it is, it's a uh, program that is one meant to help facilitate connections between our private sector entrepreneurs and Naval Surface Warfare and, and other, uh, other federal labs. 
And the whole idea is to promote technology transfer back and forth uh, from government to private sector, private sector to government. And within this, the Fathomworks is a advanced prototyping facility. It sits on the Porto Wainini property. It's a 60,000 square foot warehouse with about 20,000 square feet dedicated to advanced prototyping equipment. So we have metal 3D printers, we have environmental test equipment, we have an augmented reality lab, we have you know, machine equipment. And so it, what that, we even have a 75,000 gallon underwater test tank and all these assets are there so that entrepreneurs can help test and prototype out solutions for the Navy. And, and these solutions can be anything from a defense solution to an environmental solution to, uh, you know, mitigating rust, all these different types of technologies. And so if there's any uh, technology entrepreneurs out there that think that they have something that they could collaborate with through the Navy and the federal labs, then, um, you know, then we invite those companies to contact us and see if we could, you know, make a match and work within our, our Fathomworks program. Thank you, Dr. Ray Bowman, uh, for all you do for 2,000 of our aspiring companies in the in our in our area. Um, and uh, thank you all. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs>